Last one to the party, the podcast where we check in with someone who's checking out a classic film, long-running TV show, or legendary performer for the very first time. Thank you for joining us once again on this episode of Last One to the Party. In this episode, we're taking a bit of a stretch away from the mandate, I guess, of the podcast. And we're talking about a movie that no one should feel bad about being last one to. You should feel bad if you were the first one to the party on this movie. It's a movie called Hotties. And I was a part of this movie way back in 2005 and had been doing improv for about seven years, I think. Sounds about right. And I say in the interview about five years, but I think it's more like seven. And it was a it is a terrible movie. It's actually two movies, Hotties 1 and 2. And they're both terrible. And shooting the movies was terrible and uncomfortable for a variety of reasons that we discuss in this episode. The one good shining spot from shooting this movie was meeting Rick Younger. Rick is a terrific guy, a fun guy, a nice guy, fun to talk to, really funny. Um, and he was in this movie also. And we had a couple of scenes together and we instantly bonded, you know, two people struggling to stay alive after the Titanic sinks. And we both were like, yeah, you got your door. I got my door too. Good. <laughs> so we kind of bonded right away. And Rick uh, has been a stand-up comedian for a lot of years. He's currently on Broadway in Mean Girls. I mean, they're obviously on hiatus due to COVID, but he'll be back. And he can be seen on the latest season of Last OG. And for a few years, Rick was on the Today Show as a relationship expert. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how I got to be a relationship expert. I'm like, just, I've made enough mistakes for people to, to be able to say, don't do that. That didn't work. <laughs> if you want to follow Rick online, you can find him at Rick Younger on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Younger. We have a lot of fun in this one rehashing a terrible, a terrible artistic experience. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Last One to the Party. All right, so let's start talking about the magic that is hotties. <laughs> it's funny because, uh, like I said in the email, it's like hotties was one of those experiences. I feel like it was so many of us who are part of that, that um, we were early in our careers in New York and didn't realize that quitting a crappy film wouldn't ruin our career. And I think everybody was kind of like, oh, man, I'm in it now. I don't want to get a bad name in the industry, not realizing that it was no one involved with that that had a foothold in the industry that could ruin us. I think the, the description that I remember about it is what attracted me to it. And I remember it said something about women who've been wronged by men basically get their, you know, get their revenge against the men who wronged them. And, and improv was a large part of the film. I was like, improv, you know, supporting the ladies, you know, it's like, who doesn't want to be a part of that? But it, it was cool because it was all of these really cool people that were a part of it. You know, it was like, I mean, you and I, it's like, we just had a ball of like the, the one or two days that we worked together. It's just, we just hit it off. Uh, Phil Burks, I'm still good friends with Phil and uh, Erica and uh, Susie. I actually catch up with from time to time. Haven't seen Caitlin in a while, but I've, you know, been in touch with all of them. And uh, I'm trying to think is there is was there, if there's anyone else. Well, it's two other guys who are comics, Phil Mazo and Mike Trainer. 
And, and anytime I've run into any of the other people who I don't run into a lot and I see them, it's still that whole sense of, man, yeah, you remember that? <laughs> it's like we survived it. I had forgotten what it was that drew me to it, but it's exactly that. You're right. It was that ad that said like improv and just the description of the overall thing. And I want to tell you, I want to find out what your audition process was like, because here's what mine was. I truck all the way out to wherever it was in Brooklyn. I don't remember where, but it was a, it was a hike out there. Like I forget what train it was, or if it was maybe two trains or something, whatever go all the way out there. And I read for the, a small part, like a one scene part of like one of the psychiatrists or something. And Lee, the director, he just goes, yeah, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, I don't think so. What do you mean? Like, I know this is low budget. Like I've been doing improv for five years. You want me on this. What do you mean? No, in my head, in my head. And so he's right. like, well, try reading this part. And he has me read a part of some lawyer or something. I forget what it was. And then he starts to try to pimp me into doing Martin Short's character from SNL, that lawyer who's like, I know that. I know that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You think um, I don't know that. Nathan Sturm. Nathan Sturm, yeah. Sturm, he's yeah. trying to make me do that character. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do somebody else's <laughs> character. And so I'm fighting it. I'm not doing it. I'm resisting it. And he's like, no, okay, well... And I was like, is there any other part I could read for? I was just so mad. It's just like my pride was like, how am I like, I'm already not booking so many things. How can right. I not book this? You <laughs> <Right. know? laughs> I got to re-examine. And so he gives me the part of the doc to, to audition for. Now here's where it becomes ironic because I am ripping off Peter Sellers from Dr. Strangelove left and right in my audition. I am trying to like, just do his sensibility and just all this like manic. It's like Peter Sellers and strange love plus the Schmengi brothers, plus just manic energy. <laughs> and he was like, you're it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm in. And I was like, I was so close to being safe. And I just dragged myself back in. So what was your audition process? I played the preacher and I can't remember specifically the audition, but whenever it comes to a black preacher thing, I mean, I grew up in church, so, I mean, I know that character inside and out. And um, most of the time it's in productions like this, they don't know a black guy who's been to church. So it's like, I was like yeah, this is pretty much a, a slam dunk here. It's just that, I mean, I just... I just really regret something. I I have my regrets is not being able to walk away. It's just it's like it was you know everything about it. It was like everything about it is the stuff that you hear about the things to avoid when you are you know when you hear about production. Like the fact that he told you right then and there, no, like he's not supposed to do that. He's supposed to have a little sense of okay, that was great. Thanks for coming. And then you like, you leave and you just know you didn't get it because it didn't feel all that great. It was one of those things where it's like, they, they broke all the rules. What was your experience in filming it uh, in terms of when you were improvising? So the reason I'm asking this is because for a lot of stuff, I just got to just riff. But there were times, there were certain scenes when he would be dictating 
what I was supposed to say. And I was like, this is improvised. So either write it or don't, but don't like right. force feed. That, I, well, I remember one of the days that I shot where I kind of went off because of, because of that, where it was like, you know, tell me what you want and let me go. Don't keep stopping me once I, you know, the, the stop and start and the stop and start. And it was like, and the more we did it and the more that happened, I was like, what am I doing? Who, who is this guy? And why, why have I not walked away? Oh man, it's, it's. Well, you had the hard, you had the double hard task of in Hotties 2, which he filmed all at the same time. So it's hard to, when no, we were no, filming he, it, he had... which you didn't know which one was Hotties 1 and Hotties 2. It all was just one big mess. But in most of, because I have the DVDs. Do you have the DVDs still? They're somewhere. It's like, you know. My parents sent me some old DVDs. They're like, you got to get these out of my garage. And they sent me some cases I had of DVDs. And one and two were in there. And I was like, oh, God, I hope they didn't watch this. I know. Um, but you spend a, the bulk of Hotties 2 in drag with Phil Mazo and somebody else. I forget who the third guy was. Cause you guys are like the imposter hotties. Yeah, or I, yeah. I haven't watched it, watched it. It's like, um, I don't remember the storyline. I, all I remember is that he had the, he was ambitious enough to try to be the Peter uh, Jackson of, um, crappy films. <laughs> it was like, you know, there's, uh, what Plan Nine from Outer Space is known as like the worst movie ever made, and then there's Hotties One and Two. <laughs> and it's like, I couldn't believe that he's like he he was he bit off that much that he was like I'm gonna shoot two films at once because if Peter Jackson can do it, so can I. Because I remember specifically thinking he's trying to do just like they did with <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Oh man, it's just. Did he tell you? Because he he told me why he was doing it the way he was doing it. I think he told me at the audition. He told me early on in the process. Did it have something to do with money? <laughs> well, we all only got paid a dollar that we weren't allowed to accept. Do you remember signing that contract? Goodness, you remember it all. I think I've suppressed these things. As well you should. As well I've you should. I've suppressed these traumas. You, you've decided to carry them with you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm living him every day. No, I just remember that he had to sign a contract that stipulated he would pay us a dollar and we would get we would have no expectation of any other payment other than that. But the reason why he shot those two at the same time was he explained to me that if you wanted to get your DVDs on the shelves at Walmart or any of those stores, you couldn't just have one movie. Why, these people are wasting their time trying to make one really good movie. That's never going to be on the shelves. But if you have a catalog, they buy catalogs. So he was trying to churn out a dozen movies so that he could have a catalog of movies to sell to Walmart and all of those chain stores. And he had also apparently worked with Troma doing something, I think maybe just like a PA for uh -huh. Troma. And he thought he knew how to do low budget movies. Yeah. Well, I know that his whole thing is that he wasn't even, like you said, he wasn't a filmmaker. From what I understood, he used to uh, book bands. So it's like, he's like, what's so hard about that? You know, it's just, I think he saw something that he enjoyed watching and thought that he could do it too. 
Maybe he watched a lot of bad movies and was like, I can do better than that. It was a very bizarre experience because he also was, there was some weird thing, some kind of predilection or preoccupation he had with like rockabilly. Yeah, yeah. He did some yeah, movie before Hotties yeah. that was like Rockabilly Vampire or something like it's that. It's all coming. It's you know you're piecing together. I probably have some really bad nightmares tonight, thanks to you, because it's all going to come together in my dreams. And you know it's a pandemic, so everybody's having wacky, wacky nightmares and dreams. I had a really crazy dream not too long ago. With this, I'm. I'll let you know how this how my dreams turn out tonight. <laughs> it's all gonna come back to the surface. Now I wanna also this is somewhat of a self pat on the back ultimately, but one of my favorite moments of the entire shoot, because I shot that thing for two weeks. I'm sure you were on it for several days. But I had to take that drive out to New Jersey for a lot of those scenes in the laboratory, whatever it was. Yeah. And it was in that van with the three leads and whoever else he found at some bus station who was willing to take her top off. I always felt so bad about that. Yeah. Were you there the day that we shot at like a bar that was supposed to be closed, but the guy who owned the bar pretty much told his buddies, Hey, it's going to be naked women here. And so the locals were sitting at the bar while these girls were topless and I remember on the way there talking to one of the girls and she's like, she was like currently in a, a production of Shakespeare somewhere. It's like, we're talking about Shakespeare and we get to the thing. And then five seconds later, I'm like, I see her tits. I'm like, I should not see your tits. You know, I met you five minutes ago and this should, this set should be set up so that you guys are not exposed to me and anybody else here. It should just be whoever needs to be on set. And definitely not a bunch of guys sitting at the bar drinking beers at 10 in the morning. Yeah, a friend of mine played one of the bumpkins on the street that the that the hotties drive by and, and have some brief exchange with. And then Mad Dog drives by them and questions them as well. Do you remember Mad Dog? That character. Oh, that character. Because he kept saying Mad Dog. Like, it's like, like the whole concept that you would say your character name in a movie repeatedly just does. It's just who decides that that's keep that? Yeah. You know, like, you should, like if you kept going doctor, doctor, preacher, <laughs> preacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do so anyway my friend was was in and around that and he told me that story and i was just horrified because when we were shooting so i had a lot of scenes with topless women because right. i'm the doctor and i'm doing these things to control these women and turn them into sex bots or whatever and there was one setup that was with the three lesbian sex drones that i created with the magic sauce that i shot in their neck or whatever and so I did the best I could when it was the three of them. But before that, there was one scene with one girl in the doc's lab and she was, you know, drugged out in, for the purpose of the movie, not in real life, you know, under the doc's spell. And every time they cut everybody on the crew, every dude on the, on the all dude crew would come and hang out while she was standing there topless. So I was constantly taking off my lab coat and being here. Why don't you wear this here? Put this on. And so when it was the three women that I couldn't be like, 
let me drape this across you. Like there wasn't much I could do, but like I spent the whole time shooting trying to offer up that lab coat to cover up whoever was uncovered and uncomfortable, whether they felt uncomfortable or not. Yeah. It was just this ridiculous, ridiculous thing. Right. Right. Oh, but I was going to say my, my proudest moment is that scene outside. I think we're in red hook. There was a group of you chasing the hotties and I came out and stopped everybody and I was yes. ranting about something and you broke for just a second and it's caught in the movie. It's only, yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, they didn't even cut that out. It's like, <laughs> But I love it because, because it reminds me of how we met on that day of shooting right. and clicked and got along and really yeah. enjoyed each other's company. And yeah. I love it to me. There's nothing that makes me happier than to make somebody who is funny laugh right. i feel like when i know you're funny and i can do anything that makes you laugh i'm like right. oh, i'm accepted i'm good you know it's my own, my own neuroses and like i said it's, it's so much of this side that i've suppressed and i can see that so vividly now like up until now totally out of my head and i can see it and i remember when i saw I was like i can't believe that is still he didn't even cut it yeah did you go to the premiere oh. at the Pioneer Theater? No, I didn't. I, I think I re, if I remember correctly, I was gigging that night. And um, I mean, did you go? You, you didn't go if you asked me if I went. Well, my my now wife, Jess, right. uh, she, when we, we were dating at the time, and she lived literally around the corner from the Pioneer Theater at that Two Boots that's n- now no longer there. Yeah, and so yeah. I was like, well, this thing is starting now. And she was like, go we're right here. Just go. And I was like, should I She's like, just go? And so I went in and I kind of snuck in, talked to the person at the front and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in this. Can I just go in? And I went in after it had already started and right. I watched enough of it so that I could see myself uh, on a movie screen for right. the first time. Yeah. And then I was standing there watching. I was like, huh, this is terrible. <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and then I snuck back well, out. I, you know, funny. It's funny because I remember that, I mean, obviously you and Justin had watched the movie together uh, to talk about how crappy it was because I remember going to something at Ptolemy and Shelley's apartment. I got there and this is the first time I met her. It was like, she was like, you're in hotties. I was like, oh no. Like, I always, I always feel like hotties is the thing that's going to haunt me at some strange time. Like I'm going to be sitting at the sitting on the Tonight Show, and they're like, "Hey, I heard heard you did some crappy movies when you first started out." Yeah, you know, he said, "Well, we got footage right here." It, but that soon after it was shot, and someone recognized me from hotties, it was just like, "Oh my goodness, this is not good." Well, you'll be happy to know for for a long time on IMDb, uh, we showed up in the credits of Hotties. Yeah, we. Well, I just look. We don't anymore. I don't think. I don't. I don't think you do. Well, you you don't have a picture. I noticed because, like, okay, I'm looking at it right now. It says uh, James Eason, the Doc, and there's no picture beside you. And I'm all the way at the bottom. It may be alphabetical because you know younger, of course, but not even all the Hotties have pictures. But Susie, Susie is on here as Julian Wells. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was looking just to see who was who. And 
I was I gotta say it was a little, a little intimidated that some of the some of the people in Hotties have gone on to have more credits than me. But I mean, <laughs> when I say I look at their credits and I'm like jealous, it's half kidding but also half serious because it's like Erica was uh, did a did a uh, like a web series thingy called Celebrities to Go, and she had me come on and be a bad James Brown impersonator. It was actually pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and they let me improvise. So the bad part was the fact that I was a poorly dressed James Brown impersonator. My impersonation of James was not bad. It was the fact that I I was like a James Brown impersonator that didn't didn't um invest <laughs> as much as he could into wardrobe. <laughs> like you wearing a cardigan sweater and some corduroys. <laughs> no, it's like his wig <laughs> was just really like not even convincing. Cheap high water pants that you know it's like you, you that's funny. That. That's but, funny. Yeah, yeah I, the other story I remember from from Hotties was there's a the final scene in Hotties too. Doc gets shot, and his comeuppance is that they they crafted his he had some sort of Pavlovian response to egg salad. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and so there's there's a moment where we're where within the movie we're filming something and the boom operator on the set within uh-huh. the set has an egg salad sandwich and I can't stop myself. And I go over and I eat it. And while I'm eating it, I get shot and you, and the shot happens off camera. You don't see who shoots, but the doc falls dead and it's the boom operator. Nobody messes with my egg salad sandwich. It wasn't one of the hotties who finally got yeah. revenge. And <laughs> the reason why I'm talking about it is because we handled that egg salad sandwich so many times in shooting and reshooting that I was not about to actually eat it. And so I was doing everything I could think of to do like weird <laughs> things around it. Right. And and Lee was finally like, you need to just eat the sandwich. And I was like, I was like, look at this fucking thing. You eat it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not eating this. It was like the last day. Right. And I'd finally had it. I was being told what to say yeah. and how to say it. And I finally was like, there's fucking fingerprints visible in the white bread on this sandwich. <laughs> so given the nature of how that movie was shot, the audio in that movie is terrible, P.S. You can't hardly understand what anybody's saying because he didn't mic anybody. He was just all, I think, a boom mic can catch whatever you can. But there's a scene in there. I'm curious about this because Antonio, the guy who played Mad Dog, he, you have a scene with him where he pushes you up against a fence and starts questioning you about things. And all I could think while I'm watching that scene is he doesn't know when to stop acting. And I think he's hurting him. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember anything about I that? Is do, that? I do vaguely remember that. And I don't remember being hurt by the, the whole thing. I, I do feel like it, it lasted too long. Like, <laughs> Hey man, you can you let me go now, and I can uh, <laughs> you know, I think you asked all the questions you need answering. <laughs> now it doesn't make sense that we are still here and we're not fighting. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, what are you doing, Matt? Dog, <laughs> go on. You got you got your answers. Go. <laughs> the shipment's <laughs> coming into the dock. I don't know. It's like I think there was also an aspect of it of he he was doing that thing. People who think they know how to improvise uh-huh. always talk too much. Right. Yeah. 
and they, and he was not letting you finish what you were saying. And at one point in you trying to get out some kind of response to drive the scene forward, right. I think you say something like, well, if you're not even going to listen to what I'm going to say, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like you just <laughs> called it out. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like now I'm torn as to whether I should watch it again. Or just let it be. Well, I mean, if you watch it, you know you're gonna just fast forward it. Yeah, you know yeah. And I, that's I've. But yeah, I would just go in now to see these moments that you know, because because all of them I remember as you mentioned them. But it's like I don't spend every day thinking about no. a different scene from Hotties. No, and I only know this stuff because I rewatched, skipped through them both last yeah. night just so that i could remember oh my goodness man so and like, it was a it was total fast forward the yeah. whole time like phil phil burks he played a cop and phil's been a regular on uh that amc show about the railroad was what was the name of it i can't remember but he's he's on a show and he's you know done quite a few movies and he's always working so it's like it was some really talented people who were part of that yeah it's so crazy that that was a thing that actually happened. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you remember about it that, I mean, it, it sounds like you've healthily put it from your mind, which I think is the best thing to do. I mean, I just remember that, that it was like, there's one day I felt like, you know, by the end of the production, we had all kind of unified with it, with each other because of how awful it was. And um, and I, re I remember open disrespect for, the, for Lee from everyone by the time, you know, we were all done. <laughs> I remember also, do you remember that uh, somebody's car got stolen when we were in Newark? I don't remember that. Was it, was it Mike? It was either Mike or Phil. One of the, one of the two guys who who are comedians. They were helping Lee out a lot, and they were in the film, but they were also helping. And their car got stolen in Newark. It was so on brand for Newark for that to have happened. And they probably said, "Oh my goodness, a couple of white guys here in Newark. They're not from here." <laughs> and yep, I want to take that Subaru. It was a Subaru. Nobody in Newark has a Subaru. Uh, <laughs> At least not back then. Oh my God. <laughs> like, ain't no brothers with no Subarus. I'm taking it. Oh my it. God. Too funny. Well, I think, I don't know that there's anything else to really ring out of Hotties 1 and 2. <laughs> I mean, it's not much to get out of Hotties 1 and 2 um, uh, in general. So, yeah. What's great is the DVDs have a menu. Which includes uh, outtakes, <laughs> special features. On Hotties One, there's special features and outtakes, and on Hotties Two, he puts in audition footage. Uh, some of the people, like Antonio Bad Dog, his audition is there, and he's talking. It starts out he's talking as himself, just like Antonio uh -huh. and A, and this and that. And he goes, and you can hear Lee off camera. Can you give me a little bit more of a New York like this, this and this? And he goes, Oh, you want it like this? Uh, I'm the Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You have well, such I a spent, good Mad Dog. I spent a fair amount of time with him. There was a couple of days where it was like him and me shooting a couple of scenes, and. He was he like your henchman or something? Was he? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. 
he was the henchman who tried to track down the hotties and i think he he tracks him down at the end of hotties one but it, then it's a reversal that it's actually the cops in costume it doesn't matter right right but yeah he was my henchman yeah. so we had a couple of scenes together and he's the kind of guy who who is just the antithesis of me just big physical <laughs> straightforward <laughs> you know what i mean but as i talked to him as i would hang out with him like he was a really nice guy he was a great right he was a great guy and he he also was i remember he would talk about like lee's doing this and it's gonna like he was a real like uh subversive force on the set early on he didn't have a lot of Ooh. respect for lee right, right away and i was like Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah. I thought. I thought. I don't want him uh, not on my side. I want. I would want him on my side. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, Mad Dog was properly cast because you know, if there was anyone that was that was a part of the production who was a Mad yeah, Dog, yeah, it was him. Definitely. Yeah. So on there also is my audition, where I'm just going nuts and doing my bad. Peter Sellers and I was showing some of it to to Jess and she was just she was just shaking her head and the, the best thing that she said was look how young you are I was like, yeah, that's all we need. let's just focus on that it was 15 years ago just focus on how young we all were look at you younger than you are now so cute and young not even old just young oh my god all right, I think I feel like we've covered it. Unless there's anything else that pops into your head, which shouldn't. Yeah, well, just know that if I have any bad dreams, you don't hear about it. <laughs> if you'd like to follow Jessica online, you can find her on Instagram at Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. And Elena is E-L-A-I-N-A. Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. You can follow me on Instagram at James underscore Eason underscore music. The show is produced and edited by me, James Eason, and the theme music is composed by me, James Eason. 